0: Hello and welcome to Coco Pods Podcast, a feature of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. We are recording from the rural city of Forsyth, Georgia, and we talk about all the issues pertaining to maternal morbidity and mortality. My name is Dr. Bola Sagari. I'm a board-certified obstetrician gynecologist, a family physician, a minimally invasive robotic gynecologic surgeon, and a proponent for natural child delivery. I'm happy to have with me today, Myrana Craig. She is a licensed professional counselor, licensed in the state of Georgia to provide care for people ages 7 to 99, and she is also the Director of Enhanced Behavioral Health. She has also been a good friend of mine for more than 20 years. Myrana,
1: welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Dr. Sagadi. I'm excited to be here and talk about this subject.
0: This is a very important subject because 9% of pregnant women and 10% of women in the postpartum period meet criteria for a diagnosis of depression. And I can't even imagine the prevalence in also in minority women and low-resource women. Can you speak to some of the Issues that pregnant women face when they're having mental health issues in pregnancy. Why is it at times their symptoms go unnoticed?
1: So, a lot of times, pregnant women's symptoms go unnoticed because those mental health symptoms look similar to what happens in pregnancy. So in pregnancy, I don't sleep, right? So a lot of the symptoms of mental health disorders have to do with your inability to sleep, right? In pregnancy, my mood changes, right? So obviously with mental health disorders, you're going to have changes in mood. So- that is one of the things is that they kind of mimic what normally happens in pregnancy. So the doctor doesn't know or, or whoever whatever, you know would screen for these things, you know, doesn't know how to distinguish.
0: Wow. And even in minority women, there's that super woman syndrome. Can you speak to some of that?
1: Absolutely. Black women are dying regularly because we are expected to be strong, expected not to acknowledge our own pain and our own emotional issues. We stuff them down. And so what do we do? We probably will overeat to compensate, things like that, that not handling our mental And emotional issues can definitely be a risk factor for hypertension and things of that nature. So, we have just been taught to just be strong, to be these strong holders of our communities, not just our household. We are often caregivers. And in single family homes a lot of the time or caregivers of our parents and you know, so that caregiver role has a lot of burden and anxiety that comes with that. So we look at other health issues, us not addressing our mental health is killing us as black women.
0: So Mariana, what are some of the barriers that especially low income women and or low resource women could face in accessing treatment for mental health conditions?
1: Well, first, we want to look at what are the stressors that these women have. And so that would be definitely your social economic status is huge in terms of what resources you have to you. And then if I'm a single mother, I'm going to have stressors that, you know, someone who gets to share the burden of parenting wouldn't have poor social support. Things like if I have an unplanned pregnancy or unwanted pregnancy, just what comes with that emotionally, stress in my relationship with my partner, and just general life stress. And then when we look a little closer at the barriers, you have to look at in the culture that I'm from, what is accepted in terms of seeking mental health help or therapy or medication, what's culturally acceptable in terms of treatment. So we have to look at those things as well. And then, you know, there's a shortage of mental health professionals, especially in Georgia where we are, there's a shortage of psychiatrists, psychologists. So we have to look at that because that's impacting the resources they can find. And
0: now it's not that the women have a lot of choices, but if they were going to Look for a mental health professional. What are the important things the woman, the patient should ask as she's seeking to find somebody to take care of her for her mental health issues?
1: Absolutely. First, you want to ask them, have you worked with a client who's had this mental health issue before? That's number one. Number two, you want to look at cultural competency. Ask them, you know, what have you done? What kind of training have you done to make you culturally competent to work with people in other cultures different from you? And the thing is, a lot of times clients are afraid to ask us what makes us qualified to work with them. You want to look at what is their level of education. Ask those questions. You need to know if they, you know, you don't want them to be experimenting on you.
0: And if you as a patient cannot be the one asking these questions, your family member can be asking these questions for you.
1: Absolutely. A lot of times with my clients, I will have their family members calling and seeking mental health help for them. So you're absolutely right. It's important that families, they're actually the first line of defense. We want families recognizing when their family member needs help.
0: Wow, this is important. This is great. Now, I want to move on to a very difficult subject to discuss, and that is, you know, suicide and just pregnant women And women in the postpartum being probably so depressed that they either contemplate suicide, attempt suicide, or actually complete suicide. What are some of the risk factors and how can we mitigate this risk in its contribution to maternal mortality?
1: So in the pregnant client who has had a mental health issue prior to pregnancy, their risk of suicide is so much higher. So, suicide is a leading cause of death in mothers who have had some mental health history of some sort, or if they're currently experiencing a mental health issue. So, we want to look at, too, things like psychosis. So, if they're hearing voices or, you know, seeing things, they have a higher risk of suicide. If they have a drug issue, they have a higher risk of suicide.
0: Wow. And so what should the family members look for, you know, so that, you know, in in the woman, just to help make an early diagnosis?
1: I think the biggest thing that families need to do is we don't acknowledge what we're seeing. And so if our family is seeing things and they're not addressing them or asking us to address them, it's huge. So for me, it's really about educating the public on mental health symptoms, educating the public on what. Women experience in pregnancy, and in that definitely in that first year after pregnancy, those two vulnerable points of pregnancy. So I think that is the biggest thing is education. Wow,
0: and then you know just also reaching out to counselors, right? And you know in the in the rural community. What is the place for leaders in the family or leaders in the community for women that don't have access to your conventional professional counselor? How would you speak to that?
1: You know, I think it is really tuning into our families, looking at how our family members cope you know, when under stress or strain, supporting our family members, really acknowledging when they're going through periods of transition, and then also talking to your own doctor. So, you know, a lot of times my clients will talk to me, their therapist, about how do I get so-and-so help in my family, or I'm noticing these things. So talking to the resources that you have to find more resources. And and then remember what I said, looking at, like we said, the health department for resources, looking at our community behavioral health centers for resources, they are there. And so I would really start with looking at the health department and looking at community behavioral health centers in the area. Luckily with the internet, you can just Google, you know what I'm saying? Put in, you know, therapist and they start to pop up and just call. Don't be, people call my office and ask all kind of questions and I stop and I make sure I answer every single one.
0: And I'm glad that you mentioned the internet. Um, we're in rural Forsyth, Georgia. Right. And at times, some of the patients that we see And some of the women that we are speaking to now have no internet. That's true. How do we deal with that?
1: I know that is something, you know, so once COVID hit, therapists that were not using telehealth services, telemedicine, we all started using them if we weren't. And so you're absolutely right. So certain clients couldn't, if you didn't have internet, you couldn't use those services because a lot of us just went straight online, you know, to deal with COVID. So calling and if you have access to a phone, there are lifelines, like a lot of our local hospitals will have like mental health lifelines. There's the National Suicide Hotline. So looking for some of those hotlines and calling and they can help you connect with the resources in your area as well.
0: And yeah, you're right. Telehealth could be either like on the computer looking at the person or you could actually, because for the people that don't have internet, most people have a cell phone. exactly. So they could still have these counseling sessions over the cell phone, especially for women in rural areas. Absolutely. So I'm glad you spoke to that.
1: Yeah, that is something that, you know, because sometimes their connection isn't good. So I do make sure that, you know, that raises another good point. One of the things that's really important when we're doing telehealth is we need to know where the client is. So when the session starts, it is really imperative that you give the mental health professional your location, the address, in case something were to happen during the session so that they could get you help if necessary. So, but yes, one of the things I've been doing is so like if they have a poor connection, we switch to phone. And then I think, you know, a lot then transportation is another issue, too, that I, I find. Luckily, my office is located on a bus line for that exact reason, because everybody doesn't have transportation. So y- those are some things you want to be looking at when you're looking at a provider. Can I get to them if I don't have transportation. So you want to be looking for things like that.
0: Wow. Thank you. Because that's a real problem in in rural communities. Absolutely. And one thing I also want you to touch on, we know there's a, a pandemic going on now, there's COVID and it has so many mental health ramifications. And on top of that, with all the you know, being pregnant, all the other issues a pregnant woman is dealing with. So can you speak to the COVID-19 pandemic and pregnancy and, you know, some of the things we can do to make things a little bit easier on ourselves?
1: Absolutely. The biggest thing is what I tell people is we've all experienced a collective trauma, like I said earlier. And so it continues to go on. And so we have had to just constantly be vigilant about understanding COVID, understanding how to protect ourselves from COVID. We've had financial changes due to COVID. And so, you know, we really have to create what I say is a list of things that bring us pleasure and trying to make sure that we don't have one thing that brings us pleasure, but we create a long list of things that bring us pleasure because If we just have one thing that brings us pleasure, it actually leads to things like addiction. So growing a long list of things that bring us pleasure, we definitely need to exercise, to de-stress, make sure that we're eating well, make sure that we have people around us that are healthy for us, that we are communicating the pain and the loss that we all feel. We're all experiencing loss on all different types of level and even just a shake to what we thought was normal. You know what I'm saying? So we now have this new normal. We're trying to figure out, what is that? You know, so really taking care of ourselves, really listening to our needs, really seeking help.
0: Wow, this is great. So I think we've come to this particular, the end of this podcast. I want to thank Myrana Craig, she is a licensed professional counselor. She is the director of Enhanced Behavioral Health. And she has been seeing patients from the ages of seven to 99 are licensed in the state of Georgia. We just want to thank you so much for the insight that you have brought to our pregnant women and to women in particular with an emphasis on minority and low resource women. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. And thank you for what your foundation is doing. It's important. Education is the key. Thank you.
0: Thank you.